you do all the work and the fat guy in the suit gets the credit. Uh, that's, uh, people have different uh, ways of celebrating Christmas. But for the next few weeks, I would like to focus on the wonder of Christmas and different aspects of that wonder of Christmas. You see, the danger during this season is that we get very caught up in things that are not so important in the long run. Americans are expected to spend an average of $886 per person this year on Christmas gifts. In fact, $15.2 billion, billion with a B, dollars will be spent on Christmas gifts that are unwanted when they are received. It's a lot of money. Women spend about 20 hours on average shopping for Christmas presents. Men spend about 20 minutes, usually on December 24th. I made that last one up, but I think we agree that's probably true. But through all this effort, do we really experience on earth peace, goodwill toward men? The Bible talks about when announcing Christ. Actually, doctors have documented patterns, patterns of increased depression during the holiday season. The National Alliance on Mental Illness uh, said 64% of people's mental illness worsened during the Christmas season. And, and everybody really struggles. 67% of people talk about financial strain over the holidays. 66% experience, 66 experience loneliness. Three out of four people experience stress. And 57, just over half of people say that they, are deal, they deal with unrealistic expectations that they feel they cannot live up to. In short, instead of promoting peace, we see that the Christmas season fosters stress and anxiety. It ought not to be so. The season that we are celebrating represents the arrival of our Messiah, our Redeemer, our Shepherd. The... I would like to highlight today the tremendous fortune that we have in having a shepherd. David talks about it in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, and that is culminated in the birth of Christ. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Let's start reading here, if you would, John chapter 10, verse number 1. <clears throat> I want to talk to you today about shepherds. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is a shepherd of that sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger will they not follow. But, he will, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out and find pasture." The thief cometh but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Read back up to verse 9 now. I am the door. By him if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now down to verse 11. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. The wolf catcheth them 
and scattereth the sheep. The hiring, hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of them. Father, I pray you'd help us. In the next few minutes, as we look at this text, may we be encouraged in you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The wonder of his peace. The wonder of his peace. This is one of the great I am statements that Jesus makes about himself in the passage that we just read. Uh, most of these I am statements that he makes throughout the Bible are a little bit more impersonal. And so this one is special. When he says, I am the light or I am the bread, I am the vine, I am the resurrection. Those are a little more impersonal, but this one is uh, a special I am that he gives because of all the various kinds of animals that Jesus could have chosen, whether it be cattle, horses, chickens, camels, whatever it might be, he chooses the most intimate of all relationships between a master and the animal, that is, of a shepherd and his sheep. And in this passage, Jesus is not so much telling us who he is, although that is there. Uh, he does not so much tell us here what he offers. We see that too. Uh, but Jesus is giving us the wonderful thought, not only what he has done for us, but how he feels about us. And in that, this story, or this parable, or this example is quite remarkable. So I want to look at it today, and, and just what does it mean to you and me? How does it practically apply? And I think it'll be encouragement to you. Now, in Middle East culture, the sheepfold was very simple. Uh, it was a stone wall about 10 feet high that would encircle a corral of some sorts. And uh, the, at the end of the day, the shepherds would drive their sheep into this uh, corral or this sheep fold, and uh, they would all kind of collect there, and then a porter would sit uh, at the door of this sheep fold and watch the sheep until the next morning when the shepherds would come back, and they would call their sheep. The sheep would recognize his voice, and his sheep would come out of the fold to him. The porter, which was also a shepherd, would sleep at the opening of the fold. He actually became the door of the fold. There was not really a door. It was him there in the middle there. Nothing could leave or come without passing over the shepherd. That's why in verse 7, Jesus said, I am the door. Uh, because that's really what the porter was there. He was the door to the sheepfold. Jesus pointed out in this passage that the true shepherd comes through the door. Verse 1. He calls the sheep by name, which recognize him, verse 3. He leads the sheep, which follow him, verses 4 and 5. When a shepherd is with the flock, the sheep feel under that shepherd a sense of real peace. Now, a shepherd in biblical days lived with his sheep. He knew everything about them. He always had his eyes on them. He nurtured them. He took care of them day by day. He guided them. The representation of a shepherd depicts the care, the provision, and the protection uh, that we so much need. The wonder of Christmas peace is not only that our Savior was born, but that the good shepherd had finally arrived. The baby born in a Bethlehem stable would grow up to do exactly what a shepherd does, lead, guide, protect, and nurture those who would follow him as their shepherd. Now, it's significant that where Jesus was born, the city of Bethlehem, is also called the city of David in the Bible. Uh, one of the, of, of all the shepherds in the Bible, David, in the Old Testament, writes the most well-known psalm that depicts God as a shepherd. We know it well, Psalm 23. 
Uh, it depicts the Lord as a shepherd who guides us through love and care to his wonderful peace. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is a passage of peace for weary Christians. It's a passage of peace for all those that are overwhelmed by the demands of this season. It's a passage of peace for those who feel alone and neglected. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, this psalm connects us so well with us so well because it offers comfort to those who endure difficulties. It is about protection, provision, the presence of the shepherd and the tranquility. It all leads to peace through that relationship we have with the shepherd. David had been a shepherd in his youth, so he well understood the symbolism as he's writing Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. He calls him, interestingly enough, my shepherd. He does not refer to him as a fellow shepherd. He sees himself as, as a sheep and God as his shepherd. In other words, God is the one who knows everything about me. He's the one who spends time with me, who nurtures me, uh, who protects me and guides me. He's the one who always has his eye on me. He's the one who cares for me and provides. The Lord is personally concerned about my welfare, and he's personally concerned about your welfare because he is your shepherd. He, we are his sheep. David knows what this means, and that's why he follows it up with, I shall not want. Because God is such a good shepherd, he will take care of all my needs. I have food to eat. I have water to drink. Uh, I don't have to wander off and get lost. In my life, will wolves attack? In yours, will wolves attack? Absolutely. Uh, there will be difficulties. There will be health problems. There will be family conflicts. And there will be friends that turn on you. But the big bad wolves cannot destroy us because we have a shepherd who defends and fights for us. I shall not want, he says. And that is really the theme of Psalm 23. I shall not want for rest and refreshment is found in verse 2. I shall not want for restoration and righteousness, verse 3. I shall not want for protection in time of trouble, verse 4. I shall not want for provision in the wilderness, verse 5. I shall not want for a home to go to at the end of the day or the end of my life. And that is in verse 6. Then, then David follows it up with, he restoreth my soul. The idea here is in the upside down places in your life, he can come in and set them right side up. He restoreth, that word restoreth, the original words to bring back, uh, to make requital. He is with me, even through the valley of the shadow of death. I do not have to be afraid because I am not alone. He is with me. He is preparing good things for me. I can experience the wonder of God's peace because of his goodness and his mercy, which is with me now and forever. What a blessing that we see in, in uh, Psalm 23. We need to remind myself, our, ourselves often 
of this fact, especially during this season when there is so much there to try to distract us from what is really important and what we really should be celebrating. That is something that almost takes work in the day and age that we live in, in the Christmas season, to make sure we celebrate the right thing. I want to look at several aspects here out of this passage of the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep as we look at this analogy. Number one, I want you to see that the shepherd knows the sheep. The shepherd knows the sheep. When he says, I am the good shepherd, he is telling us clearly, I know the sheep. Verse 14 and 15, I know my sheep as the Father knows me, he said. Uh, As well as God knew who Jesus was, his only begotten son, so he knows his sheep. The picture here is that shepherds know their sheep in ways that would really shock outsiders. Jesus says, you're not only the sheep, but he knows your personal sheepness, if you will. He knows the worst about you. Remember when he talks to Nathaniel, and when he first meets Nathaniel, he says, I saw you under the fig tree yesterday. Uh, do you remember when he came, meets the woman at the well, and he uh, is talking to her, says, I know about your five husbands and the one that you're living with now who is not your husband. Uh, he, Jesus basically is telling us, I have seen every one of your failures in your life. I know you. And I can see beneath that front that you put on uh, to to try to present yourself a certain way to other people. I can see past the bravado, and I can see the real you. I can see your insecurities and your dependency. Uh, I can see how, uh, how troubled you are underneath it all. Not only has he seen every dumb thing you've ever done, He sees every dumb thing you'll ever do in the future. A shepherd has to know his sheep in a way that the horse trainer does not have to know the horse. Why do shepherds need that kind of comprehensive knowledge about sheep? You wonder that question? Well, the answer is not really a flattering one. It's because, as was mentioned in our video, sheep are really, really dumb. Really dumb creatures. In fact, you let another animal loose, whether it be a dog, a cat, a horse, a cow, they all do one of two things. They'll go out and be wild and self-sufficient, or they'll find their way home. Not sheep. Sheep can't do that. They'll just run to and fro in a panic until they get themselves killed in some way or another. They're the most helpless of all the animals. That's why they need a shepherd. And in that, we see that we are absolutely spiritually dependent. We're spiritually helpless. Completely dependent. You can try to hide it. But friend, you lack the self-sufficiency that you need. Let me give you a real life example. You can probably identify with this. We just, uh, last week over the Christmas or the Thanksgiving holiday, we got to spend some time with uh, some of our kids who are in their 20s. And uh, we were talking one night. I was just talking to the girls and they were remembering some things they had done when they were little and And uh, during these conversations, more than once, I heard something along the lines of, I was so stupid then. I didn't have any idea about life then. I know nothing about what was, uh, like what I do know now. And the inference is that I've got it figured out now, but then I was stupid. Yet I look back to myself in my 20s, where they are now, and I think I didn't have a clue. I was so naive. I was stupid then. But that's with the inference that, Now I've got it figured out, right? Uh, We all do that to some extent. The truth is your present self thinks your past self 
was a bit of a foolish person. Your present self can look back to your past. And back then I needed guidance. I was naive. I didn't know which way was up. I didn't know if it was raining or Tuesday. You know, I was a mess. That's what our present self thinks about our past self. Well, the problem with that is, in a few years uh, from now, a lot of years from now, my 68-year-old self might look back at my 48-year-old self and say, I didn't have a clue what was going on. I had all kinds of problems. Meanwhile, God may look at my 60-year-old self and just shake his head and think, what in the world is he thinking? You follow what I'm talking about today? That's really the essence of our sheepness. Because when you were 15, you look back at your 12-year-old self and thought, my, oh my, I'm glad I have it figured out now. Uh, that's how we think in every stage of our life. That's the essence of our sheepness. We think we know what we don't know. We think we have things figured out at every stage. Being sheep means that we're not only spiritual simpletons, but we think we're in pretty good shape. We think we've overcome any type of idiocracies of our life. My wife will send me to the grocery store once in a while to pick up some item for cooking, and if it's milk or eggs, I'm good. I know where that's at. It's a long walk, but at least I know where it's at. I know where I'm going, I get it, and I go out. But once in a while, more often than I would like, it is something weird, uh, something I have no idea. Honey, would you get me some Laotian fish paste when you're at the uh, grocery store today? And I, I don't know where in the world even to start to look for that. And so I look and I look and I look. I go up and down the aisles and, and I uh, will finally call and say, look, I've looked everywhere. I don't think they have it. And every man in here knows what the next question is. Did you ask someone? No, I didn't ask anybody because I'm a man. That's not what we do, amen? We don't ask people. We look on our own. We're hunters. We hunt. And if we don't find it, it's not there. Uh, but anyway, did I ask somebody? Hey, thank you for that amen there. Uh, so once... I'm not going to say I've done this, but I've heard that people have done this, where they uh, see somebody way down the aisle, hey, do you have any Laotian fish paste? I asked, and nobody could tell me where it was, uh, you know. But whatever the case might be, can I just tell you that the most lost man is the man that doesn't know he's lost? Or any of us in that situation. And spiritually speaking, we're there. We think we're better than we really are. No one is as hopelessly lost as the person who won't admit that they're lost. The truth is we are utterly dependent, and we don't know it, which is what makes us all the more dependent on our shepherd. We need a shepherd. Now, here's the, the blessing. He values us to the sacrifice of his life. Verse 11, look what it says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He not only knows you, but he lays down his life for you. A man once told me, we were talking in, in a counseling session, he said, if my wife knew the things that were on my heart and mind, she would leave me in a minute. And I wonder how many times maybe you've thought something along those lines. If people in church knew what I really was, or what I've really done, nobody would have anything to do with me anymore. We all have things in our life or uh, now or in the past that we would not like for to be made public. Thomas Gray said, if the best man's faults were written on his forehead, he would draw his hat over his eyes. None of us want that publicized. Evangelist George, Whitch George Whitfield, a great preacher, was often falsely accused by his enemies. At one point in his ministry, he received a 
vicious letter that was accusing him of wrongdoing. In fact, he not only <coughs> received the letter, but they published it in a newspaper to try to shame him. His reply was brief, but this is what he said, and I quote, I thank you for your letter. As for what you are saying against me, I know worse things about myself than you'll ever say about me. Love in Christ, George Whitfield. What an attitude. I felt these, this, these things in my life in the past. If folks saw me at my worst, nobody would come and hear me preach. And we all realize that if people saw us at our worst, they would probably turn on us. Yet here Jesus is saying, I know my sheep. I know you at your worst. And I'll still lay my life down for you. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Let's talk about the hired hand. He's not the shepherd who owns the sheep. Verse 12 talks about him. While the hired hand, when he sees the wolf coming, he runs off. He, 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 uh, he lights a shuck as far as away as he can get, abandons the sheep. Now the shepherd, though, is different. We said one fact that the reason that we're called sheep, you can look at this two different ways. Uh, one way is a little offensive, the fact that we're called sheep, because uh, the, they're the most helpless of animals. But you know the second thing about sheep, in Bible times, they were one of the most valuable of animals. That's why it wasn't unusual for a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and he has 99 in the fold and will risk life and limb to go out and find that one that's lost. That's why you see thieves and robbers talked about at these sheepfolds because sheep were very valuable animals. Every part of the sheep was valuable. Pound for pound, they were the most valuable animal that you could have. You could have, uh, you could sell the wool. Uh, when you killed them, they, you, you could sell the skin, and then you could also have the meat. In fact, even today, a uh, lamb and sheep is the fourth most eaten meat in the world today. The shepherds did not have, essentially, money in the bank. They raised sheep. That was their worth. Here's why Jesus contrasts himself here with the hireling. See, the hired man is only in it for the money, but not me, he said. Jesus actually goes far beyond the physical metaphor here of the shepherd. I mean, as much as you love your sheep, there is a limit, isn't there? I mean, we, we, have, we have pets, right? Most of us, uh, many of us have pets. There is a limit to what we'll do for our pets, hopefully. They're animals. If somebody pointed a gun at my cat, actually, I wouldn't stop him at all. That's a bad illustration. Let's use Leo, my dog, all right? I have a dog named Leo, and if somebody put, pointed a gun at him uh, uh, to shoot him, I would be sad. I might even grieve. I like that little dim-witted bugger. He's, a, he's, a, he's not very smart, but, but uh, I, I enjoy spending time with him. But I'm not going to jump between him and a bullet. He's just an animal. Even though I love the little guy, he's just an animal. Because there's a limit what we do for our animals. Jesus says, when wolves come, uh, the people who are not the shepherd, they run. But here's where he far exceeds the metaphor of shepherd and sheep. He says, I love my sheep so much that when the wolf comes, I become a lamb myself. Verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep that Little word for, it's a Greek preposition. It means in the place of. So Jesus is saying, I am the shepherd who becomes a sacrificial lamb. I am the shepherd that when the wolf comes, 
I will lose everything before I risk losing my sheep. I will lose my life. I will lose my glory. I will lose my position rather than to see my sheep perish. This is a great way to look at it because, again, at first being called a sheep is a little insulting. We're called sheep because sheep are dumb, dumb animals. And there's a lot of similarities between us, <coughs> our relationship with God and sheep. And uh, so we're totally helpless. We need him. On the other hand, if he's the shepherd and we're the sheep, then we are his treasure. We are his most valued asset. Uh, he owns everything in the universe, all the planets and the solar systems and all the galaxies, all the gold and the wealth and the treasure of the universe. But he, as a good shepherd, looks at us and says, you are my treasure. You are my sheep. And I will risk everything. I will die for you in the end. And he did. You know what Jesus was thinking on the cross? Well, he quotes Psalm 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, maybe the rest of that psalm was on his mind as well. Uh, it, it, it reads other verses like, They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion, for dogs have compassed me. Hey, the wolves were coming as he was dying for his lambs. There is, There has never been a stronger statement of the dignity of your human soul. There's never been a stronger confirmation of your value than to know this, that Jesus Christ looks into your heart and he sees all the way to the bottom, knowing the good, the evil, the worst of what you have to offer. And he still says, I see something so infinitely precious that I'm going to die for you. Wow, what a shepherd. Because he dies for us. He is our shepherd. Look at verse 3. The sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. Understand, when Jesus Christ is your shepherd, he's right there with you. He does not give you a map and just, hey, follow this to the best of your ability. Good luck. I'll see you. That's not what he does. He doesn't give us a map and tells us to... He gives us himself. He's there to turn you into the person that he created you to be. And so he doesn't say, follow it. He says, follow me. And he is with us the whole time. Talk about a recipe for peace during the Christmas holiday. Notice something else here. I love this. Uh, look at verse number three. The Bible says, He calleth his own sheep by name. Now, I don't know anything about sheep firsthand, of course. Um, I have mentioned before the one sheep that we had, Shofbok, Amish name we had for him. And uh, he did nothing good for us until he graced our table in delicious meat. But uh, we, I haven't dealt much with sheep. But according to what I read, sheep in general know the voice of their shepherd. But I'm also led to understand that it is not typical that a shepherd would, if he, especially if he had a large herd like the hundred that the parable talks about, would have a name for every one of his sheep. So when he calls them out of the fold the next morning, he's not necessarily naming every one of them, hey, Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen. He's not calling all of them out by name. He's, he's calling them because they know his voice, they come to him. Yet the Bible says here, our shepherd calleth his sheep by name. Our shepherd gives us a name. In the Bible, a name is much more than just a label. A name meant status and significance. 
Remember in Genesis chapter 11, uh, they were building the great Tower of Babel. Do you know why they wanted to build that Tower of Babel? tells us in verse 4 of chapter 11, Let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven, and let us make a name. The name's important. People want to be known for something. It's significant. A name means significance. Names are more than just a convenient way for us to speak to each other. Names are a gift from God. Yours is unique to you. And we want a good one too, Psalm 22, 1. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. We all want that good name. Dale Carnegie said, a person's name is to him or her the sweetest and most important sound in any language. And your shepherd knows your name. Hallelujah. Your name also signifies the shepherd has a mission for your life. When Simon's mission in his life was changed, his name was changed to Peter. When Saul's mission in his life was changed, his name was changed to Paul. When Abram had a new mission from God in his life, his name was changed to Abraham. You see, your name is what makes you distinctive, and your shepherd knows your name. Jesus Christ is our shepherd. Remember that beautiful story in Luke 15? The shepherd had lost a poor little lamb. He goes after this lamb. The Bible says he puts it on his shoulders and he goes home rejoicing. And we see that picture and we think, oh, that's so sweet. And it is that he did that. But do you know how he did it? Uh, he goes out and he finds the lost lamb. He grabs it and he basically slams it on the ground hard enough to stun it. He ties the front legs, ties the back legs, throws it over his shoulders and then heads home. And Jesus, I believe, with that illustration, really, could, it could be telling us as well, over and over again, you'll get treatment in life that's rough, that you won't quite understand, and you'll say, look, look what's happening in my life. If I had a shepherd, this wouldn't be happening. Well, the truth of the matter is that you're a sheep, and I'm a sheep, and our understanding is very limited. So, so often, the very... Thing, the fact that the shepherd is doing something loving in our life to bring us home safely, we as sheep do not understand, not at the moment. So we ask, why is he throwing me down? Why is he tying my legs? What's my master doing to me? But real peace is trusting the shepherd. Even though things might be happening that we don't quite understand at the time. Oh, can we just trust our shepherd? When we understand the depths of our shepherd's love, it's easy to do, isn't it? Trusting our shepherd. One more thing I want to show you. Uh, once he uh, has found it, this is back in Luke 15, I'll have to turn there, but the, uh, I like the fact that Jesus said when he does find his sheep, he layeth it on his shoulders. He puts it out of harm's way. But let me tell you why that's such an awesome statement. In, uh, in, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, here we, this is a very familiar voice, uh, verse for our uh, Christmas season. For unto you a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, singular, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Just one shoulder to bear the weight of the government for all the earth, two shoulders to secure his sheep. What a blessing. What a shepherd we have. Here's the wonder of our peace. Understanding that our shepherd knows us, knows us to the very worst, sees us at our bottom, knows our failures, the in and out, <coughs> the good and bad. 
then knowing that He still loves us. He has seen you at your worst and He still loves you enough to die for you. That ought to bring us the peace of knowing our shepherd. Knowing that He cares enough that no matter what we have done, no matter what we do, He's still willing to go to the cross and die for us. What a shepherd. Doesn't that promote peace in Christmas season? Doesn't it offer us some better perspective of what this season is all about? I encourage you today, friend, if you're here and you've never accepted the gift of salvation in your life, if you've never made Him your shepherd, oh, friend, what are you waiting for? The greatest thing in the world is to have a shepherd like our Savior. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. We're sheep. That's all we are. And there's a lot of sheepness in our being sheep. Do we recognize and understand what we have in our shepherd? I don't know how the Lord's spoken to your heart today, but she's going to begin to play. As you stand along with me with your heads bowed, eyes closed, as she begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, would you just respond?